what, you know, what I thought going into it with the, uh, you know, lack of, of, you know, logistics, headaches and gear bins and all that stuff. It, it, it was just fantastic. It was really awesome to just have, have the two of us in our backpacks and, and, you know, be, be making decisions based on what we were carrying. Welcome to the Dark Zone, an event racing podcast. This is your host, Brian Gatins. In event racing lingo, a dark zone is a time when due to darkness or safety, teams are paused on the course before continuing with the race. During that time, stories are exchanged, friendships are kindled, spirits are restored, and teams have a chance to prepare for the next challenge. We hope that you make good use of this dark zone. We're glad that you're here. Well, here we go. Episode number 51 of the Dark Zone, an event racing podcast. This is hot on the heels of episode 50 with Nathan Fave. Very popular episode, our most popular so far, as you could tell. Nathan was a great guest. We appreciate you uh, joining us for that episode. A lot of new listeners are out there now. Today's episode is with Michael Dickey and Earl Blanchard. Uh, they were the recent winners of Pack Rafting Adventures Eastern Mountain Wilderness Challenge. Set in the Adirondack Mountains of New York State, Eric Kalavala and his team put on a great bare bones, back to nature, primal race with pack rafts and hiking. That was a smashing success for its first outing. In the show notes, I'm going to post a copy of the map. Um, very helpful to go to uh, those show notes, packraftingadventures.com as well. And check out the maps. Eric was kind enough to put down the routes for all the teams in his 30-hour four-checkpoint race in the backcountry of New York State. We're glad that you're here. We hope that everyone's having a great October. A uh, bit of an off-season for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere. Good training to everybody. Once again, happy to uh, have you as a, as a listener. Our guests are great. Thank you to Michael and Earl for joining us. We will see you at the Dark Zone and enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Dark Zone and Adventure Racing Podcast. This is your host, Brian Gatins. We are joined today by Team Peak Happiness, um, Earl Blanchard and Michael Dickey, uh, won the, the inaugural Eastern Mountain Wilderness Challenge. This was a very unique race that was put on uh, this past summer by Eric Carvalho's Pack Rafting Adventures. It consisted of only four checkpoints in the Adirondack uh, Park in upper New York State um, with a total of 30 hours. So think about that, folks. 30 hours to find four checkpoints. Um, you do some races, you do AR Croatia, and you will find 30 checkpoints in four hours. So clearly this was a unique event that was put on by Eric and his team up there. So we're delighted to have Earl and Michael join us. Um, they took the win, as I mentioned. Their finishing time was 15.43. So they were lightning fast on the course. We look forward to hearing about their experience out there. Um, this was the first time that it was put on, as I mentioned, and so I'm sure they'll have some feedback on what it was like to race in such a rugged territory. Um, Earl, I'm going to throw the first question over to you. Tell us a bit about what were you thinking signing up for a race that was this remote and this rugged? Tell us a bit about that. Well, that's actually what drawn me to the race. <laughs> that's why I reached out to Michael and said, hey, this is, this is something we should do. Uh, I, I saw that it was going to be a wilderness race. I, I spent uh, quite a bit of time out in the wildlands all over the place. I lived in Alaska for a short stint and did lots of uh, backcountry there. I do lots of backcountry here. And the fact that we were going to be in a trailless uh, area uh, really had my attention. That That's really what pulled me in. And the fact that it was going to be uh, foot travel and pack rafting. And pack rafting, I'm new to that. I've been 
uh, a whitewater rafting guide for 30 years, um, but uh, haven't pack rafted a lot. <laughs> Matter of fact, I've only done that a couple of times. So that really had my attention. Um, heard a lot about the pack rafting uh, side of the of a newer uh, element to adventure racing. And that's really just seeing the, the point that was only five checkpoints was, you know, wasn't, didn't, wasn't a big uh, draw for me because I really liked the open strategy, but I was also thinking about the vast distance between checkpoints. And that to me was also uh, uh, catching my attention. So it was those two things. It was the, the rugged nature of, of Adirondack Park, which for those who don't know, is a is a piece of land that's been preserved in New York State that is the size of the state of Massachusetts. It's a it's a tremendous piece of land, private landowners, public lands. Um, some's been logged, some's not been logged. Really, kind of a, tra a trailless system. I, I think for the East Coast of America, pretty much as close as you get to rugged backcountry, you're going to find. Maybe mm -hmm. you'd have to go to Maine for that too. Michael, yourself, what what drew you to the race? Well, I, I had actually talked with uh, someone else a bit, little bit before Earl called me uh, about doing the, the race and, and many of the same things that interested Earl. Uh, but uh, when, when Earl sent me a note, I guess he didn't call, sent, sent me a note and said, hey, you want to do this? Uh, I was told uh, that the 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 point to point aspect of where, where you leave the start with everything and there's no TAs or no transitions, no mucking with with, uh, you know, logistics and, and gear bins and stuff like that. It's just leaving and you, you've got what you're taking with you and make make your way to the finish. And that that I think the simplicity of it was really appealing to me. I loved it. It's true. You know, ad adventure racing. Right. And this was a, a pack rafting combination trekking race. Right. So what's called an adventure mm -hmm. race. But I do agree with you that adventure racing in many places is very top heavy. The amount of gear you have to transport the uh, the logistics, right? A, a bin and TA, a bike box and things like that. This race, when I first learned about it, felt the most primal, right? It's you, it's your teammate, it's your gear. And off you go into this huge swath of land um, going into it. As you, as you looked at it, as you thought about it, and, and this is a, a big topic of conversation for this episode, the navigation had to be something else because this was a, a, unmapped well and they call it unmapped isn't fair untracked piece of land how did you do with nav first off was there a lead navigator or did the two of you work together that's one question I'll, I'll bring up and the second one is walk us through how did you navigate in such rugged terrain i'll i'll jump in there so i <laughs> i held the maps most of the time and earl told me what i was doing wrong Okay. okay. Great strategy. Right. Right. Good teamwork. See? Right. Yep. So I, 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 I could say I was maybe lead navigator, but uh, I, I think we worked together on it. We looked at maps together. I held the most of the time and then Earl, Earl called me on it when something didn't look right. And, and that worked really well. Um, the, the race actually was kind of checkpoint two to checkpoint or I'm sorry, checkpoint mm -hmm. one to checkpoint two. That was the race. The, the the rest of it pretty straightforward. There were still ways to to goof things up, uh, but checkpoint one to checkpoint two was the the most navigation, the biggest hunk of time. Uh, if you looked at the maps afterwards and and saw the, the the routes that Eric drew, that's where people just scattered and and picked, you know, at, at least a dozen different routes. Um, and and that that is really what made the team fun. That was the big distance. Lots of choice, and uh, and it was very clear from the results that that people 
approached it very differently. Which is interesting, right? Because sometimes in adventure racing, for lack of a better term, kind of a conga line breaks out, right? And and there's a lot of teams picking the same route. And and I have had a chance to see the various choices that people took. And there was some land who you couldn't touch. There's some private land that Eric had to have you work around. And people took so many different route choices. What drove your route selection? Was it the ease of travel? Was it the, the direct nature from getting to the first checkpoint to the second checkpoint? I mean, because, well, first things first, how long did it take you? Do you remember how long it took you to get from checkpoint one to checkpoint two? I remember it being a little over seven hours, maybe yeah. seven and a half hours. That's, that's what I was remembering about seven and a half hours. So think about that, um, now, everybody. Folks sitting at home, do that math. Race starts. Checkpoint one is relatively simple, right? It was a paddle across a, a lake. Paddle, to the paddle straight to it. Yep. Right at it. I'm looking at it right now on the maps. But then you had this huge north one you had to go where you actually crossed four separate maps to get to checkpoint two. Seven and a half hours with your winning time being 15 hours. So half your race was spent getting from one checkpoint to another. What drove, what drove your route choice in there? Was it, once again, was it the ease of travel, the direct nature of it? Was it the maps? What, what jumped out at you? We, we looked at a lot of different choices. We, you know, we got the maps the, the evening before, uh, you know, and, and just looking at, at the, the, the vast amount of choices you could have gone uh, north and to the west and probably picked up a trail. And I think some teams did that, um, you know, earlier on, uh, but you would have had to cut through a, a bit of wilderness there. Um, you wouldn't have been as much pack rafting. Um, there was also a, a, a map that we used um, as well. It was a blowdown map. So there was back in the 80s, I think, Michael. Mid nineties, uh, I think. Mid nineties, there was a, a a huge storm and, and it knocked down a, a lot of trees, and so they they actually had a map that had these areas shaded that were you know low, medium, or high blowdown uh, quantities, and so we used that to help guide some of our to help eliminate. Okay, well maybe we won't go this way, but we'll go uh, another direction. No, I, uh, and then that's pretty uh, intense that they gave you a blowdown map. Like, yeah, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I don't think I've had, been in a race where I had one of those before. I know I would have liked to have one before, but not. Yeah, um, I did. I did a race up in Nova Scotia um, and called the Eco mm-hmm. Challenge. It was a 24 hour race up, up there. And they did the same thing that our derecho came through and knocked down a huge swath. And mm-hmm. it was excellent on the map. And they're like, listen, you could travel that way if you want, but we really don't recommend it. We touched the outer edges of it and it was impenetrable. You, you, you couldn't get over it. It was just the way the logs were on top of each other. There was no movement. Um, so I'm assuming seeing a blowdown map might've give you a little bit of a pause to think about the, the, the type of route choice. It, it did. Having seen areas with, uh, with a lot of blowdown, like I do not want to get in an area where, you know, ha- half the trees in the forest are, are uh, lay- laying sideways and have been and having stuff grow on them. And yeah, they had, had no interest in doing that. Um, so, so we did use that map. The, the other thing that, uh, that we did, and I think we talked about this afterwards, I think we agreed that we could have picked a faster route. Mm-hmm. Okay. But this was a pack draft race. And, and so we, we looked at our options and said, yeah, we, we could like do this whole thing on foot, but, but we've got the raft in the backpack and we're carrying our paddles and we came here to paddle. So it, let, let's, let's get on that river and paddle the river. And then we talked about, man, that really looks windy. Tur- turns out that, uh, that, that, uh, you know, paddling distance was almost twice the linear distance. 
but but we chose to paddle because that's what we came to you do. You wanted to paddle, and, and we're glad we yeah we're glad we chose that. When you when you when you think about it, and the race being over, what percentage of your time did you spend in your boat versus on your feet? Well, good question. I think it was close to about 50, 50, yeah, 50, 50. I think okay. it was. Yeah. Okay. And how did you find the, and you, you said that you wanted to, to do the, the pack ref, right? You came to do a pack. It was not a trek, right? And it was very funny when I looked at the maps that Eric sent over, I sent him back what I would have done. He goes, you do realize you had a pack raft on you. Like I had forgotten, like, you know, you get sucked into trekking. You think that's the fastest way to go. Um, how did you find the river travel? How did you find the lake travel? Was it, were there, was there blow down in the water? Was there, I know her beaver dams were, were quite the, quite the, the feature. Um, was that, was, did the dam system, did that, did that give you what you thought it was? Like, did you, did the, did the water-based travel while it was 50-50, were you as fast as you thought you'd be? Well, what the, 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 after the first paddle that everybody did, uh, we actually chose to paddle across Clear Lake a, a mm-hmm. little bit of the ways up. If you see the map there, some people trekked around it. We, we looked at it and we figured, you know, we, we can transition into and out of the raft in about 15 minutes. Our paddling is probably about four miles an hour. And I think that paddling across this lake is going to be just about as fast as trekking around it. And we came here to paddle. So let's paddle. Off you go. And, and it was awesome. Yeah. And I, I agree. Usually the, the, the rough rule of thumb with a pack raft is between three and four miles an hour right there. I know many people who've transitioned into pack rafts from other boats. It gets them crazy because they don't feel like they're moving at all in them, but three to four miles an hour. And to your point, the breaking the boats down, packing them up and moving them was worth your while to, to, to come across that body of water. Um, we found yeah. we were taking less than 15 minutes. I mean, we, we, we were working well together, moving very quickly. And, and so we could inflate the raft and be paddling in about 15 and then, you know, go, go the other direction and have it packed up and moving in, in about the same. Did you find that the, the navigation was rather straightforward or did you have to rely upon those large, did you ever feel like you were turned around out there? Or for the most part, clearly you did very well on the course. So I don't think you got massively lost out there. When did it get challenging for you? Uh, the, or the, where Earl was telling me, "What are you, what are you doing here?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there was it was. Uh, I, we were talking about it, even as we were moving, we were talking about the. There were lots of little terrain features that that would not show up on the maps just because they were so small. Um, and the way that the density of the forest, maybe some of it having to do with the blowdowns, uh, we just couldn't see very far. So it was hard to pick up uh, in the, ter- and there, there were terrain, some of the terrain fissures were more mild. So you weren't in steep, um, you know, mountain peaks and things like that. Um, it was more uh, mellow landscape. So it was a little hard to read exactly where you were. And in the rate of travel uh, was, sometimes pretty slow just because of we're going over logs around things. Uh, and that's challenging too, because when you're we're climbing over things, you're trying to go in a certain bearing, a certain direction. When you're climbing over things, you're making those micro adjustments along the way and slowly you might get off. In terms of your map and compass, did you go with bearings? Did you go with, did you get to a certain feature and retake a bearing or did you, because of the, the size of the course, you just headed what you felt was the proper direction, knowing that there was some sort of backstop. How did you protect yourself from going off in the wrong area? I, I think what you just said there, there's, you know, looking for backstops, you know, we can keep going, going this direction roughly, um, right. you know, up, up, up this reentrant. And, and if we find that we're going down and the slope goes down to the east, then we went too far. You know, we should have turned left. 
And, uh, and so very, it was hard at any one time to be confident that this is right where we're at just because we couldn't see very well. And, and there was a lot of those smaller terrain features that, that looked like, Hey, this looks like it should be a reentrant. Man, eh, no, it's not, not on the map. No, <laughs> and I'm assuming uh, too, from a navigation perspective, not having those traditional backstops that you would see in our adventure racing, like a, a reentrant or a mountain or even a road, you were just, just out there. And so, and no. so there was a lot of that, I'm assuming there was a lot of uncertainty during the race. Like we think we're going the right way, but there there was to some some extent, but, but we're working with the, with the large features and, Mm -hmm. you know, okay, we're, 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 we've, we've been going East for almost an hour and, and it, it really starts to drop off steep. We know, you know, looking at the map, okay, there's nowhere else that we can be at this point. So time, time to go North. Gotcha. Um, and but because of the visibility and how else it was still somewhat challenging navigation, we, we ended up uh, picking up more uh, my or, orienteering collecting features than, right. than uh, we had originally planned. Mm-hmm. Just, OK, OK, let's go get to that lake. Yeah. You know, and when we get there, we're going to yeah. know that we're there. And, and so we, we we made a point of, of hitting those very large kind of hard to miss collecting features on, on the way to, to be super confident of exactly where we were. And that's a really good point the, the it's so well mapped in terms of the, the, the shape of the lakes that when you got to a certain lake, you kind of knew you were, the, the lake really became like the landmark for you to work off of. And then you'd cross Absolutely. the lake and then you would just oh, yeah. go on from there. And you, Absolutely. and that's, that, that's a really, and once again, because Eric was wise enough to make it a pack raft race, that was the way to go, right? Was to use those boats and you had a 50, 50 movement over time. Um, how did you for, find for some of the lakes? Some of them we walked around uh, okay. just because, yeah. okay, this isn't long enough. It's, it's, you know, 750 meters and, and just, just stay on foot. It's not worth it. Yeah. How thick did you find the brush? <laughs> Most well, of it actually was just instinct. Like, I almost call it just standard. I mean, it was areas that were blow down. We could move through There was, Definitely some marsh we got in that was um, slow, but it wasn't, we did, we chose a little bit higher route. I think uh, we talked about some routes early on. We ended up choosing kind of the higher ground. Was that to stay uh, out of the muck? Yes. Yeah, we just felt like we, yeah, we're going to be, you know, living in the swamp the whole race. And we're going to be, we knew we'd be doing enough of that with the paddle and, and some things there. We had some areas that we, you know, there's no way to avoid it. And this is called the five ponds wilderness. I mean, right. Yeah. You go, you're going in the water, right? Did you ever find yourself like, you know, wise decision, right? You know, you're going to be wet by being in water. You're going to go high. You're going to, because water runs down. And so you're staying out of swamps. Did you ever find yourself in, in that really nasty kind of up to your hips sort of muck that you had to fight your way through, or were you able to come around a lot of that? We didn't end up in any muck um, not, not really, really. At, at all. Um, we, we did later on in the race uh, end up doing the, the most awful, horriblest bushwhack I have ever done. And I think we both agreed that. that yeah. In the history that's of that's racing, a pretty big statement. Let's, yeah. let's back it up a little bit. You have between the two of you of decades of racing. <laughs> you're, you're saying that the Eastern Mountain Wilderness Challenge gave you the worst bushwhacking experience of your adventure racing life. For for one one section, uh, Michael, how long was it? It wasn't very long. Uh, Three hundred and twenty meters, and it took us over twenty five minutes. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. And what and what made it so brutal? Was it was well, it already dangerous? Was, was it just thick? Was it? 
And it was no, it there was was, no going around it. You had to go through. No. Well, we, so some teams actually kind of got, got rejected a couple times, turned around, went back and, and added a, an hour or so just saying, we're not going to go through this. Um, what, what we ended up doing, but first of all, it was dark, it was raining. And this stuff was so thick that you could not see more than about six feet in front of you. And, 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 and we still you trying did. to get the CP number two. Was this on the way to two? Or was this after you I got know, two? This, this was after two. This was getting this to number three. three. Yeah. Okay, so, so at least you had the psychological box of checking off two. Oh, well, right. we kind of felt like, man, we're getting near the near the finish. Um, we, we know, you know, this, it's easy from here uh, until it wasn't. <laughs> it's always a great <laughs> thing to say to yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, it's, really. I, well, I'm. A, well, that's a good point, though, right? You, the amount of distance between one and two was so long and so hard. You right. couldn't help but think when you got to two that, eh, we'll mail it in now. Three, well, four, well, we're done. Yeah, once we hit two, we, we knew we were going to be on some trails. So it was the first time we actually um, started moving on trail. And, and that was actually the first time since we'd left checkpoint one, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Michael, that we saw a team. We had gone yeah. a completely different route um, than another team. We probably left checkpoint one. A, a bit ahead of them. I, I, I don't know when they hit checkpoint one. But Maybe we got 10 minutes, to, yeah. Yeah, and we got to checkpoint two. This was, you know, seven and a half hours later within a couple minutes of them. Uh, just, and they did completely different route. They they kind of took the foot travel faster route that we looked at, I think. Um, but uh, it, it was it was very different. Um, different kind of race to not having seen teams. Usually if you're racing, you're seeing teams and you're kind of judging your, your strategy based on that. And, and this really wasn't that kind of race at all. It was more of just how well can we do with our uh, particular strategy. How'd you deal with that psychologically? Well, you, obviously you were probably expecting that, right? Knowing the so few teams in such a big plot of land. Well, so we, we were expecting that and uh I guess my approach was not how are we doing compared to other teams, but mm. how much fun are we having? Yeah. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. At one point in the paddle, I think we'd gotten on the Oswegatchie River. We've been paddling a little while, and I was just grinning. It was dark. I was grinning ear to ear. Just We were just having a blast. And Michael said, I'm smiling right now. <laughs> and I was like, absolutely. It was just uh, the, the smiles per mile there were, were pretty high. In, um, in spite of the 30 plus beaver dams we had to cross. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so say a bit about that. The, the, the type of paddling that you did, right? You had the big lake paddle in the beginning and then you walked around lakes and then you did cross some lakes. Did you, was it always class one? Was it class two? Did it ever get bumpy on you? Or was it, it just never did. It was it was it was all calm. Um, we heard we heard what sounded like rapids, and it was just another beaver dam. Okay. <laughs> okay. And rough count of beaver dams. What was did you stop counting eventually? At, at least thirty. Uh, that's that's my my uh, somewhat educated estimate. Right. <laughs> so so interesting question when you when you would when you would come upon them, clearly beaver dams as we know, huge massive coming on there. Would you? get out of the water way in advance and walk all the way around it? Or would you just climb over the dam itself? We went no right over them. We, we got really good at, at getting right up to it. Earl would jump out. We, we uh, gave, gave up trying to, trying to um, stay out of the water and just right, right up to it. Earl jumps out, grabs the front of the boat, pulls it up far enough that I'm not up to my neck in, in the water. Got it. Um, you know, and 
I'd jump out. We'd, we'd both lift it, carry it over, put it in, you know, down the other side. Some of them were, were, you know, pretty low and, and easy to get in. Some of them took a little bit of work, you know, had a, you know, had a, a, a foot, couple of foot, uh, you know, drop from, from the high side to the low side. Okay. Okay. Now I, I apologize for not asking, were you in two single boats or in a double? We're, we're paddling a tandem. In a tandem. Okay. And so how did that work out in terms of, is it, was that, was that, I mean, I was assuming speed wise, it probably helped, right? It paddled you know, faster. I, I think Eric was a little bit skeptical at, at first of, uh, of the tandem, uh, hands down. That was absolutely yeah. the best way to go. We, we paddled. I think that's, this is actually the first time that Eric and I have paddled together mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or that the, the, I'm sorry that Earl and I have paddled together yeah. and, yes. and it, 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 we just clicked and yeah. it went great. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm assuming that being the case, the, with, with, with two being faster, they, we know that two people in one of those boats will tend to move much faster. I wonder if that gave you much of an advantage overall in the race, as opposed to other teams that were two singles. Oh, absolutely. I like yeah. crossing the lake. We, we probably were, were 20 to 30 minutes faster than teams with two singles. And then down the river that it just adds up. Oh, yeah. We were moving much faster. Really, no, no. Had you, had you ever paddled a tandem with anybody before? I, I did in the uh, um, in Endless Mountains. Endless Mountains, right? Yeah, Kristen and I paddled uh, when when we could paddle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was the that was the infamous bony first paddle section. That was more of a yes. walk. There it yes. is. Yes. Yeah, so, so, sorry about that. Um, okay. Now, what about nutrition? Did you did you have thirty hours of food on you? Did you look at the course and say we're going to get through this quicker? No, I was ready to go for thirty hours. Okay. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I might have had enough for 30 hours. We, you know, we felt like we were going to get done earlier, but you, you just never know. I mean, we hadn't been in that. We had, neither one of us had raced in that area, so we didn't have like a, a local knowledge of, you know, what, you know how long should it take to cross this area. We're just looking at a map. We don't really know the the terrain as much uh, as far as other. You know, okay, there's mountains and things like that, but you don't know the the speed of travel um, at all. And uh, I think we both, you know, packed just about right. I mean, I don't feel like I overpacked some races. You get to the finish line, you're dumping all this food out of your pack. Like, I just carried this for extra training, I guess. But I didn't necessarily in this race. Um, so how much preparation did you do? Having, having never raced in the Adirondacks before and not really knowing that terrain, but maybe knowing kind of about it, how much preparation did the two of you do in advance to get ready for that kind of rugged backcountry? Or did you just head into it knowing it was going to be tough. I, I did some you know, overnight, uh, you know, pack craft trips locally here where I, where I live up, up the Potomac river. I, uh, I talked to a couple people into doing it with me. We, we did some of that prepping for, uh, for endless mountains. And, uh, and then I got, uh, got Paul Morris and, uh, and a couple other people to, 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 uh, do an overnight with me, you know, pre- prepping for this race. Um, you know, obviously walking up the Potomac on the, on the towpath is, is very different than the, than the hiking that we're doing. I actually find the off-road travel much, much easier. Always, um, always. Yeah. Um, I it's yeah. H- hiking with a backpack on flat trail is just hard on my knees. I have bad yeah. knees. And, and so once I'm in the woods and it's rugged, I'm much, much happier. Yeah. Yeah. I, I find for myself that the, the thing I dread the most in a race is a extended 
somewhat downhill gravel walk. It is worse, worse than the world. We were we we had a we were in Scotland and we were coming off the the first big trek on the island mall this this past August. And when I saw what we had to walk down, I knew my feet were just going to be shredded, which is counterintuitive, right? You would think that a road. Right. Road is, is safe, quote unquote safe. It just eats your feet alive. And so to your point, being in the woods and you know the different foot placement and things like that. Well, well how did your feet hold up overall? Did do you do anything special for your feet to treat them? You have any hiker goo? What kind of socks do you use? You know, your your feet are your fortune adventure racing. How'd they hold together? And Michael's got a whole ceremony, I think, before the race with his uh, feet that he does. Uh, I don't know, six or eight pairs of socks, these special magic creams and stuff. And I just put my shoes on. But um, my- <laughs> I didn't have blisters. Earl had big, ugly blisters. Right. So make fun of me all you want, Earl. Right, Michael? Right. So, 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 Michael. In terms of your, 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 we'll come back to Earl and his and his 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 rugged man in the mountains feet in a second and his blisters. You do. Um, we talk about all the time adventure racing for, for, for newer racers, your, your feet are your fortune, right? You have to take care of them. Do you do the hikers go in advance? Do you do the, the occasional, I have people do this. They put the hikers go on a few days in advance and sleep in it each night to get the feet ready. Like how do you, how do you keep your feet together? I haven't done that yet, but I've thought about it. And the reason is uh, in endless mountains, obviously long, long race, lots of, uh, lots of wet feet and, uh, I, I had some pretty ugly blisters on the soles of my feet at, at the end of that. And it wasn't on side or typical places that people get blisters. It was like right on the thick part, you know, sole of my foot, just because my feet were wet for so long. Gotcha. And uh, so, you know, and, you know, those are, had come off. And, and so I'm building up some uh, some of the sole of my feet. I go barefoot a lot. And so I, I did end up using the, the hiker goo and just coated my feet with it, um, put a, a very thin pair of uh, in, in gingy socks on and, and then another pair on over that. And uh, my feet felt great at the end. What kind of shoes do you use? So I, I have been doing all of my racing in uh, uh, ultra. Um, uh, let's see here. What are they now? What's everybody using? Well, they're the ultras, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm like you, by the way, I know I, I would use Solomon's, but ultra ultras, what you use and how do you do I, with I the like ultras? The, I like the toe box in, in the ultras. Um, although I've, I've found in a few races that I wish I had a little bit more stability in, in the shoe. So I'm, I'm almost at the point where particularly for longer races, multi-day races, I want a few pair of different kinds of shoes right <laughs> just yeah. you know, change change things up and expose your feet to different things yeah. rather than doing the same thing all the time yeah i did that and, and once again in scotland i did that i had a backup pair of shoes which i changed halfway through the race great move my feet just needed a different set of shoes earl how about you aside aside from putting sandpaper in your feet what else what else do you do to get yourself ready <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, I was talking with Michael before the race. He was looking at, you know, he's like, man, did you wash those socks? I'm like, yeah, I washed these socks. It's the same pair of socks I've been racing in for, for like eight years, uh, every race I've done. And uh, and they really held up. And the only is I've only gotten blisters twice in all of my races that I've done. And this happened to be one of them. But I, that sock, that, that the sock finally gave away and uh, where I got a blister is because it failed. Um, and, uh, so I, I lost, I lost a, a good half dollar size on the back of my heel, but I, I made an agreement with my feet a long time ago. Like I won't complain about them if they don't complain to me and we just settle up at the end of the race and, uh, <laughs> and figure it out. Um, what do you use shoe wise? What do you put on your feet? 
Uh, I've been racing in Solomons uh, for quite a while. Um, yeah. the, for the longer, if you have to do a lot of miles, um, they're so light. Um, there's not a whole lot of cushion, so you, you pay for it that way. But um, from just the mobility, and, and I, I really like to be able to feel uh, everything. And I, I, I really feel like I can feel the terrain well. Yeah, uh, I feel so in Solomons, I found they, dra- they drain and drive very well. Yeah. Which yeah, was, which is think, Thinking of this, I had, I had, uh, ankle gaiters on, uh, as well, trying to thinking about the potential muck that we might be in. Um, gotcha. But, uh, were you wearing any bash guards or shin guards on your, on your legs? No, I, I wear no. compression socks up to my knees like an old man. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, you know, pretty much it is. How I wear as, my uh, orienteering knickers. Okay. And, yeah. and also compression sleeves on my calves. So I might, my legs are pretty much fully covered in the, in the woods. Gotcha. How'd you do with the weather? Was it warm? Was it cold? Did you, did you nail your clothing for that? We really yes. Did, I think, yeah. Um, I, I think we both brought just enough, but not too much. Um, it was, I, I was a little bit worried as, as it was getting dark that, oh, maybe I, you know, I, I actually had a pair of uh, my, my shell pants and I was thinking I might have to break these out. Um, but uh, the, the, the rain didn't come. It didn't get as cold as it had the night before when we were right. camping and uh, it ended up just being super nice. So gotcha. I, I did, did not get cold at all. Yeah. Cause you do have to, yeah. some of those microclimates up there get pretty cold, you know, when you're in the mountains yeah. and I always pulled, I always pull 10 degrees off the temperature. Right. I always plan right. on being ready for 10 degrees colder. Um, did the Adirondacks live up to your expectations in regards to ruggedness? Was it, was it what you thought it would be? It, it was different. I, I'd backpacked in the upper Adirondacks uh, a few times and uh, completely different. Um, uh, I had never been in that, in that wilderness and, and it, it was um, just spectacular. There were moments in the race um where I was picking on Michael for not bringing his camera. Um, but, uh, no, it was, there were, there were just, just postcard moments. Um, you're out there looking across the water and looking and seeing the mountains in the distance. And, and it, it was just beautiful. Michael, how about you? I, I it, it was spectacular. I, I think, uh, pretty much through the whole race, we were talking about how much we, we wanted to go back. Yes. Um, Come come back again with the pack raft and a tent and stay for a week. It's well yeah. when you think about it too. If if you if you consider the fact that most likely, aside from it, people who are indigenous to that area, those those lakes had never been covered by somebody on a boat before, and so you had a chance to to pack raft and to travel across these remote rugged lakes because you're not carrying a canoe in there, you're not carrying a kayak in there, and so unless somebody brought a, a pack raft along, you you touch places that nobody ever probably touched in a boat before notwithstanding the, the, the people who were native to that area. Although I got to say the, uh, the, the first lake that we paddled across after, after the, you know, after checkpoint one, uh, we, we, we put in the water, we paddle across the lake, a uh, little, little over a kilometer, I think, you know, a kilometer and a half. We, we get to the other end of the lake uh, after a several mile, you know, trek on, on, a, on a trail. It was a decent trail, but it was, it was not a road. No. And there's a guy in a canoe <laughs> <laughs> and there's no way to get to that lake other than the trail that we came up. And, uh, uh apparently this, this dude like hiked that trail carrying his canoe. You uh, open up, I, did you, did I, you open I, up by your pack raft on the spot? <laughs> <laughs> 
He was not very sociable, actually. He was just kind of doing his own thing in the middle of the lake. We well, probably thought he's out there by himself, and he's just yeah, you guys can walk it along. These races are all over the all over the park. He was. I think he was trying to think about uh, the the trip back, but uh, he looked like he just. Totally <laughs> I gotta carry himself. this damn thing back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You probably saw your your two your paddles. Me like, how'd you guys get? What do you do with those paddles? When 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 darkness came, you know when when it you know you you started it. You went fifteen hours, right? So you started at eight in the morning. You finished it or after dark, right? You went through, you had a good travel. When darkness came, where were you on the course? Were you, were you beginning to close into the finish? Did you, obviously you paddled in the dark to finish the race. How did the fall of nighttime affect your, your attitude and your movement? Uh, but by the time it got dark, um, it, it was, it was between uh, checkpoint two and three. So, so we yeah. did that awful bushwhack we mentioned in, in the dark, uh, which, which was really challenging because, you know, it's, when you're in stuff that thick and not only was it thick um, and so that you couldn't see through it, but it, it got thick to the point where you couldn't move through it. You were stuck we in wanted, there. We wanted to make sure that we hit the river at the right spot. We, we didn't want to miss the bend that the next checkpoint was at. We wanted to put in before the checkpoint, go around the next bend. So <laughs> the bearing that we were traveling was really important, but That's it was critical. impossible mm -hmm. To, uh, to, to travel on a, on a bearing in that stuff. So we ended up, you know, leapfrogging uh, Earl's idea that worked out really well. Uh, one of us would hold the compass in a bearing and, you know, tell, tell the other person, like, keep going, move to your left, move to your right. And we were doing this like 15 feet at a time, if that. Wow. It, that's, it, that's, and, then, and you're deep in the race too. I mean, this is, you're, you're getting fatigued by that. We, we were getting yeah. fatigued by then, a little bit frustrated. Um, that that was, if, if there was a down point in the race, that that was it. Like, this really, really sucked, and I was not having a whole bunch of fun at that point. Right. Yeah, you guys were, before you were, you were skipping through the woods, high-fiving each other. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, it's like, this is really, really hard, and this is... Yeah. Well, yeah. We'd, we'd looked at it, see, we were leaving the, the reason why we ended up in that particular uh, spot is we were leaving the trail at a bend, because we were leaving at a known point and checkpoint three really wasn't that far away. It was less than 400 meters. Yeah. Right. And we're like, Oh, well, this, I mean, all the bushwhack we had seen so far, everything was, you know, we could move through and we'd seen some thick things, you know, especially by the river, but nothing like that. And, um, but once we got in it, we realized, well, we could back out, but we did the whole math of is, is not worth it to back out. We're already committed. We're on a bearing. And when Michael's saying 15 feet, you would have to go to the right or left, you know, 30, 40 feet to get back online. And by the time that Michael got 15 feet away from me, this is at night with his headlamp on, I couldn't see him. Right. That's how thick it was. I mean, there was, it was impenetrable uh, with lights. I had to hear him talking and, and try to get him on a talking bearing uh, and tell him to stop. And then he'd take the bearing and I would leapfrog him. That's a wild one. And you, it's funny too, how you you're outdoors, but it gets claustrophobic. <laughs> oh, it was, it was awful. That was so thick. And, and it was, it's, it's above your head thick, even like the long grasses and stuff. And so you're, you're down in this stuff kind of wading through it. And, and, uh, the only saving grace of that bushwhack is there were no thorns. Right, right, bright spot. Right, I think they should put that on the flyers for Five Pond Wilderness. Like we didn't run into to any Greenbrier. I mean, Nothing. I, I mean, usually if you're in the races here, you come back. I come back. I'm shredded. Yeah. Um, and 
you know, wow, we didn't, if we'd had Greenbrier in there, we'd probably still be up there tangled in the bush. <laughs> we'll be looking for you. So, so <laughs> going, leaving the trail and, and moving the, the, the distance to CP3 and coming through that really thick far, how right were you in terms of your, your attack to CP3? Did you walk out of that and walk right into the CP or did you have to do some work along the river? No, we, we hit it right where we wanted to, which was the bend before the CP. Correct. Yeah. Um, so I, I wanted to have a little bit of time on the river, you know, to, just I, I didn't, wasn't going to try and nail it. And, and then, uh, you know, miss, miss, uh, uh, right. you know, down river in particular. So we, we were definitely shooting for the bend uh, upstream of, of CP3 and, and, and we nailed it. We came out exactly where we wanted to. And so then from CP3 to CP4, it looks like the river was going to be your strategy. Now was that yep. was that was that was that Beaver no, Dam Central? Not well, not a, no. that was not our original strategy. Um, no. I, I, I'm uh, you know su- suffering, like I said, from uh, from sore knees, and and uh, I was not a fan of you know wanting to spend a lot of time on trails. But Earl was bound and determined to to you know <laughs> back out and get back on the trail. Uh, but uh, once we were about halfway through that bushwhack, I think Earl decided that there was no way he was going to turn around and do that over <laughs> no again, way. and no. so he, he said. I, I guess we're paddling the rest of the way. And I said, amen to that. <laughs> <laughs> and from the look of the map, it looks like it's a river, but it's very swampy. Did, were you able to paddle through that or did you get stuck? No, it, we no, hit it was... a few beaver dams, but it was much better than, than uh, for, further upstream, the, the, the first section that we paddled. So it, it, was, it was quite nice, actually. So it sounds like this is one of those races where, where all of the challenge was front-loaded. Right. You had the initial paddle, the CP one, you had the long trek from one to two, right. You had to do all that work there. Two to three was on trail, but three getting into three was through that really terrible green briar and all that thickness. And then it feels like the river kind of was on the habit of bringing you home. Yeah. Right. That's, I feel like it was, it was pulling you in the right direction. Although, you know, two, two to three did not have to have that awful uh, bushwhack <laughs> right. uh, right. about you know, a, a, you know, a, a kilometer or so before that bushwhack, uh, the, the river was right there beside us. And, right. and uh, we, we were moving so nicely on the trail. We, we just decided to stay on the trail. Um, we even once started. we were into that bushwhack, we were saying, man, we should have put in when the river was like 10 feet away from us. It literally bumped <laughs> right up against the trail. And so, and actually yes. that was one of my questions was, I'm assuming you stayed on the trail because the, because the, the trail travel was so much faster than getting on yeah. the water. Cause even the river itself on the map turns a lot on the map. And therefore yeah. you're, you were doing the math on pure distance. Trail okay. was pretty straight. We were moving quickly on the trail. It, it, it was nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we'd known about the bushwhack, we would have put in on the trail, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, but, but that's an important mm-hmm. navigation thing to say for the folks who are working on their navigation. Like you make the best decision you have with the information at, at your disposal, right? And trail's moving well. It's not that far from the trail. This is clearly the way to go. You didn't know you were walking into the that impenetrable bushwhack. And it, that's just the way mm-hmm. it goes, right? Okay. Yep. Yeah. Well, and, and at least one other team hit that bushwhack tried it, got rejected, turned around and, and went back. Went, yeah. got, took the trail to the one and ended up paddling. Yeah. Down. They went, went backwards to where they could see the river and put in back then and probably lost an hour doing that. Okay. We, we even joked as we're running by it, you know, Hey, it'd be pretty easy to put in there. Um, when we're right beside the river, <laughs> but you know, from the, from the strategy standpoint of navigation, we were, I felt like that was still a very strong strategy. You had no way to know that that bushwhack was there. Right. Um, we were leaving a very clear, you know, known bend in the trail. You know, it was it was easy to peel off there. It put us really close to the point. And if it had been anything like the rest of the 
backcountry travel, it would have been very. It would have taken less than 10 minutes. We would have been there as it was almost 30 minutes. That's racing, right? Exactly. That's how it goes. And so three to four, it sounds like you you paddle down the river and then from four to the finish, it sounds like it feels like you kind of just took it home from there. There wasn't really a whole lot of, or am I, am I missing something about the end of your race? No, it was, it was really straightforward um you know hit, hit four it was visible from from the river picked that up and uh, and then uh, there was a a section that eric had told us is is uh, you know rapids and probably pretty bony and you know his his advice was yeah you don't want to paddle the rapids at night and probably not paddleable anyway okay and uh and and we had seen the the very uh the 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 portion just up from the lake and when we we're you know, the, the, the day prior and it looked really rocky. So it didn't look like you could paddle it. So that's right. You had the maps in your hands the day before. So you had a sense of the finish. Oh yeah. Yep. And so easy, easy decision to say, all right, we're, we're going to get out here at the, at the, you know, the, the canoe put in, um, there was a road right down there and, and the trail from there, mile and a half two two miles to the finish line. Nice. Nice. So congratulations. So, so you went a bit over 15 hours. Um, you know, it was a, it has a 30 hour race. Some teams are out there for 27 hours. And so congratulations to you on, on having such a great race. You know, it's always nice to win, right? We, as, as we say, where I work, I work with kids, you know, it's fun. Winning is fun, right? It's fun to win. Um, winning is fun. Winning is fun. Yeah. Did you, did you going into the race and it's, and it's all, it's all conjecture before the race start. Did the two of you feel well suited to the, what you had in front of you or did, or did you have any major trepidation about the terrain and the, and what was chewing at you before the race started? Nothing. I, I was, mm. I was super confident that, that we were both, you know, ready. I w- did not go into it thinking that, that, you know, we're, we're a shoe in for a win by, by any means, but I absolutely felt, you know, we, we, we can do this. We, we know how to navigate. We we're good in the woods uh, we're both good paddlers and uh, we're, we're going to do fine. Now, Eric has talked about how the Eastern Mountain Wilderness Challenge is the um, is a is the the child, if you will, of the Alaska Mountain Wilderness Classic, the ANWC, which is this beautiful race out in Alaska. That And this is somewhat kind of, you know, based upon that. Have the two of you ever have you now considering going out and giving something big like that a shot like now that you have time on your feet now that you have a pack raft in your pack and you know how to do this would you find yourself getting into a larger event like this or was this a good event you're happy to check the box off come back next year to defend your title you almost morally allowed obligated to do so um, <laughs> but do you find yourself itching to do something like this again um there's a there's a lot of of these races around the, there's several in montana there's one you know there's one in alaska obviously or has the box been checked for the two of you? Uh, nope. Box hasn't been checked. That was a ton of fun. And mm-hmm. what, you know, what I thought going into it with the, uh, you know, lack of, of, you know, logistics, headaches and gear bins and all that stuff. It, it, it was just fantastic. It was really awesome to just have, have the two of us in our backpacks and, and, you know, be, be making decisions based on what we were carrying. So I, yeah. I to- totally consider uh, doing more of those and bigger and longer. So let me ask you this question. What, what new things did you learn? Like this was new, right? This was a pack ref race tandem between your food, your navigation, your footwear, your clothing, all of those things. What new learnings did you take out of this race? 
Uh, probably time to buy a new pair of socks. You know, eight years. <laughs> eight years ago, it was good. They treated you well, right? They treated you well. Yeah, you know, I might hang them on the wall and scare people when they come into the house. But, um, you know, I learned, uh, you know, I enjoyed racing with Michael. We've only done a couple races together. Um, we really, like Michael was saying, right out of the gate, we started off paddling. We clicked right away. It wasn't, um, it's like we've been paddling a long time. And, um, it's just, you know, even if it's uh, extreme wilderness, there's still, uh, especially when you're in in race mode, the amount of the amount of uh, fun and excitement out there is just 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 incredible. And um, I would I would definitely uh, do races, you know, wherever. I mean, I, I'm always thinking about you know what's the next adventure. You know, when you get done with one, you start thinking, you know what. What, what's next? And so I've just been looking around and and uh, and never really picked anything yet. But uh, really, really excited to to kind of take off with it. And I, I kind of had uh, was checking in with Michael there before the race because I wasn't sure whether I was going to be able to race. Um, I'd, I'd actually injured my uh, leg. I got a pretty good rope burn from uh, uh, doing some tree logging, and uh, and so I've been doing my energetic movement system slower version i couldn't really uh move very fast because i had a, a a big open wound so uh about a week before the race it finally sealed up enough and i uh, did one uh test climb to make sure my skin was going to hold together and it did and and uh and then i think the base level of the, the energetic system that i'm doing is uh, really paid off and i want to come back to that in a second but i want to ask michael michael what did you learn from this race anything new come across I, I don't think I learned anything new other than how much I really enjoyed the, 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 the pack raft. I mean, I've, mm-hmm. I've done a little bit of it. Um, I've, I've you know, done some here in uh, you know, Maryland DC area on, on the Potomac, had it out on some class two and I, and uh, I, I enjoy paddling it. it it's fun. Uh, I loved paddling it in the wilderness and, yeah. and just, you know, the, I, I want to go back and, and check out all those little lakes. <laughs> yeah. so I, I think what I learned is, man, this pack raft is fun and it gives you so much freedom to just go explore. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I'm, I'm a, I have a, I own several alpaca rafts and they are just, they are go anywhere machines, right? Every blue line on the map becomes a trail. And uh, if you yeah. get, if you get the kind with the, you get the Explorer, you can store your gear on it. I've done multiple day trips up in the Adirondacks, which is to, to break the pack down and put it in your backpack and then just go. And I'm a big fan of Alpaca. I find that they make the best. I think that they, uh, I think they were sponsored mm. of the race. So thank you, Alpaca for, for diving mm. in and helping out. Um, you know, I have a note to myself here on the computer. when I do these interviews, ask about training. I rarely do. I ask about the training. And so Earl, <laughs> let me come back to you a little bit. You mentioned, uh, you called it energetic movement system. Um, not a phrase I've heard a whole lot when it comes to uh, training. So tell us a bit about that. This is a system that was uh, uh, developed by uh, my instructor, Ed Hampton. Uh, Ed Hampton's been uh, teaching, training, studying. He's a, he's a human genius the way I, I see him. Uh, he's been looking at movements and training folks for 50 years, um, mostly all in the martial arts realm, internal martial arts, where it developed from the inside out. So you're getting healthier. Uh, through connections and when i started doing adventure races he took one of the movements that we've been doing from a martial arts standpoint and changed it and presented it back to me and said hey go do this um try this uh and and that's all i've done i for the last 15 years i haven't run at all 
uh, to train, but in the races we'll, we'll you know we'll be covering quite a few miles. And I'm faster now than than I was when I was in my 20s, and I was running uh, consistently um, to uh, you know to, to prepare for 5Ks, 10Ks, half marathons, and things. But uh, it, it's it's giving. You know, I really feel like I've got rocket fuel in my system now, where I used to have un, old unleaded gas or old leaded gas. Um, but uh, it really has changed, uh, given me a whole new lease on life. I'm not. I've got knee injuries as far as uh, you know. I tore four and a half ligaments. I'm not supposed to be able to do any of this stuff. Right. Right. Um, and this is this system is because there doesn't have any impact. The system, uh, the way you move, you're not moving into the ground at all. You're just moving across it, and and you're really not moving at a at a high rapid pace. So through your training, you're not beating yourself up. It sounds like it takes um, away the up and down, right? Banging your knees, the cartilage. Yeah. It goes it's more of a side to side. Very yeah. nice. It's, it's well, obviously it served you very well because you got to stand on top of the podium. So, so good on you, um, Michael. How about you? What's your training look like? Well, I'm I'm really interested in what Earl's doing because I, I have bad knees, and I, I was told about uh, ten years ago that I I need a knee replacement, and I've I've avoided it for the last ten years, still holding off, but uh, I don't know how much longer I can do that. So I'm tra- trails and any hard surface I don't like, and and so I've I, I train as much as I can off road. Uh, I, I do run some, uh, unlike Earl, but I'm really intrigued by what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. What, what I really focused on get, getting in some distance with the pack and paddling, and uh, I, I do that anyway. I, I have some friends here that I uh, that I do some whitewater paddling with, so I, I spend a lot of time uh, paddling uh, uh, my, my whitewater boats and the pack raft, and uh, that that I think did help in this race. Uh, it, it's you know, combination and being 50, 50, it's, you know, it was not running. It was just moving. Yeah. And I find that a, a common thing I hear when I talk to adventure racers and, and it skews a bit towards the older adventure racer, older being anybody over 40, they talk often about how they have a base of fitness that they hold on to. And the trick is they just try to be consistent over time. They try to move regularly. They get, they don't, they don't let there be large gaps of time out there and maybe work commitments get in the way, but they try to do something every day. They, every day they try to go five out of every seven days. They want to do something and they always shoot for a big weekend, right? Every weekend is, you know, you laugh. The, the, the one day of the week I've never recorded an episode of the dark zones on a Saturday. Because everybody who is can do it is out on a Saturday, out in the woods somewhere, going for a big training doing, day, and doing something. Exactly, exactly. Um, I, I tried to get someone on one time, and he goes, "What self-respecting adventure racer would be free on a Saturday to talk to you?" I said, "You're absolutely right." I said, "That's a good point." It sounds like this experience was was very good for the two of you. Besides from the fact that you, you're very successful speed wise, but it sounds like you also took away from the experience the idea that the the pack raft and the wilderness is a very, very nice combination. It sounds like there's more of that in your future, um, whether it be through a racing perspective, whether it be through just a pure old fashioned adventure perspective and, you know, start looking at maps in your area and, you know, there's this water here. Can I connect this? Things like that. So I think Eric did a great job uh, for his first Eastern mountain wilderness challenge. Uh, he's not yet calling it a classic. I think today's credit, he's calling it a challenge, not a classic. Maybe there's a number of how many years you have to have it before it's a classic. Um, before I let the two of you go and, and get back into your regular lives, any closing thoughts you want to share about your experience at the Eastern Mountain Wilderness Challenge? 
It was a fantastic experience. I, I absolutely want to do it again. And I like every place I go now, if, if I'm going to be there for a couple of days, I'm, I'm looking at a map ahead of time. Should I bring my pack raft? You know, can I get a few hours and go find some water to paddle? And, and it has changed the way I think about maps. So I absolutely love it. I, I love the pack raft and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about doing a lot more. Wonderful. Wonderful. And Earl. Closing thoughts. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. Um, unlike Michael, I don't have a pack raft yet, um, so it's on my short list of, of things to go acquire. I, I've been uh, a whitewater rafting guide for thirty years, um, and uh, the idea of pack rafting and and putting in it maybe the takeout for the Newmer Gorge and running the gorge up and and pack rafting it down is on my list of uh, personal adventures now. So. Um, it, it, it was absolutely an amazing adventure. Uh, the, the versatility of, of the pack raft is, is really uh, unique. Uh, having, I've been in lots of paddle crafts of every sort, size, and, and shape, and, and it, it it's, uh, really takes the cake when it comes to mobility in the wilderness. There you have it, episode number 51 of The Dark Zone. Thanks for joining us, dear listeners. Hope you enjoyed hearing Earl and Michael's adventures. Uh, Be sure to check us out on www.ardarkzone.com. Drop me an email, brian at ardarkzone.com if you have any suggestions or ideas for shows. Um, A great way to help The Dark Zone out is to go to your streaming platform of choice and give us a review and a rating and subscribe and all that fun stuff. The Dark Zone will always remain free to its listeners and your support makes that happen. Happen. Safe racing, safe training, and see you on the other side. Good luck to everybody. Okay, you people sit tight, hold the fort, and keep the home fires burning. And if we're not back by dawn, call the president. You're going the wrong way! What? You're going the wrong way! He says we're going the wrong way. Oh, he's drunk. How would he know where we're going? Yeah, how would he know? Thank you. Thanks a lot. <laughs>